0: When it rains, it pours. Man, the Miami Hurricanes have suffered yet another injury at wide receiver. You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to AllHurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Miami has lost Jacoby George due to injury indefinitely. Sounds like it's going to be a several-week thing. This was first reported, by the way, credit where credit is due. Marcus Benjamin of Keynes County on Rivals was the first to report this. Jacoby George broke his thumb in the Texas A&M game, according to that report. So for those keeping score of the increasingly challenging situation at wide receiver, within four days, Miami lost Xavier Restrepo to a reported broken foot. And then right after getting George back from suspension, he finally made his season debut last week. He gets hurt. He breaks his thumb. And, you know, a couple of injuries in the same position group. This wouldn't be as big of a deal if everyone else in said position group was stepping up and playing really good football. That unfortunately has not been the case so far. And, you know, I'm not going to say anyone really stood out in a huge way from a receiving standpoint last week. Maybe Will Mallory. Will Mallory made a couple of nice plays. But beyond Mallory and, you know, Arroyo had a nice uh, catch on the wheel route last week. Some of the very few bright plays out of the passing game actually came from Jacoby George. Had that 24-yarder where he had one more defender to beat for a touchdown. So certainly losing Jacoby George right after losing Xavier Restrepo, this one really stings, really stings. And on a personal standpoint, because, of course, we're going to talk mostly about the football ramifications of this. But I also remember that these are human beings. They are human beings that are chasing their dreams and chasing their goals. I want to wish a sincere get well soon to Mr. George. And, you know, I hope you're able to come back at some point this season, late in the season and make up for lost time uh, because, you know, I, I want these guys to go out there and achieve their dreams, work their way into the NFL. And so get well soon, Jacoby, you're going to be missed. You're going to be needed. And when you are able to come back, hopefully sometime, maybe in November, Um, I hope you'll be able to make an impact. And so, yeah, right now after losing Jacoby George, Honestly, right now, Keyshawn Smith maybe the only semi-reliable target left in the receiving room. I'd like to say Brashard Smith as well. You know, Brashard Smith played really well in the Southern Miss game, then had a very tough outing against Texas A&M. I still do have some faith in Brashard Smith that he's going to step up and make up for it. Keyshawn Smith, of course, uh, is a guy that we kind of trust at this point. Um, So, okay, what do we do now? What do we do now that we have two key injuries from two of Miami's better scholarship receivers? First things first, friends. We must get the tight ends even more involved than they already are. Right? I was happy to see some progress from Mallory, including Mallory's toughness because he had an injury scare in the game when he landed on his damn head, and then he ended up being okay. Thank goodness. Uh, We've got to get Mallory even more involved. We've got to get Arroyo even more involved because Elijah Arroyo, I said this before the season, and I stand by it. That young man is going to have a breakout season this year. Let him cook. Let him burn. A couple of other things that I'm thinking about at wide receiver. You guys let me know what you think, right? Because Miami now has a semi-emergency situation in the wide receiver room. So I'm starting to think about who we could maybe convert into wide receivers for the next six to eight weeks while we deal with these problems. So let us know what you think. You can tweet us at locked on canes, tweet us. There's a good chance we'll respond or even read your tweet on a show. Follow us at locked on canes, and we will follow you back. Jaleel Skinner. That's somebody that I'm looking at here. He doesn't see the field all that much as the third tight end. I think they could consider converting the true freshman into a wide receiver for the rest of this season. You know, he's got the length at six foot five. He's fast enough to play wide receiver, played a lot of jumbo wide receiver in high school. His body type still is a tweener because he doesn't have a whole lot of girth and weight. So he's still a tweener between a tight end and a wide receiver anyway. So honestly, I would think about getting Jaleel Skinner, who's got the size and I believe the speed to play some wide out. You might want to consider converting him for the foreseeable future. You also, and a lot of folks have been saying this on our Twitter, you might want to consider using Malik Curtis, who's been playing cornerback. You might want to consider converting him, at least temporarily, to wide receiver because he does have that background and he has blazing speed. And, you know, from a coverage standpoint, Uh, He's been having some growing pains when it comes to his technique as a cornerback. Maybe you just let this guy blaze down the field as a wide receiver in sort of the emergency situation that Miami's in and see how it plays out. Because again, Miami does not have depth at all, and the depth is being tested at wideout. This is when you have to start considering emergency contingencies where you convert some guys to different positions. So I'll go back to Brashard Smith. We obviously need to see more from him. You know, he's going to be filling in for, you know, the next six weeks or so for Restrepo as the starting slot receiver. Uh, He had a tough game last week, should have held on to that football on fourth down. He needs to shake that off this week. I think this is going to be one of those times where The psychological aspect of the game is tested. How is Brashard Smith going to respond from this? You know how I'd like him to respond. I want him to go out there against middle Tennessee and just play with vengeance on his mind and go out there and have a big game. A couple of other receivers that have been basically on milk cartons so far this season, the hurricanes. Transferred in from Clemson, um, you know, you could maybe some people might say, well, maybe it's the coaching staff's fault, not for getting him on the field more often. But so far, uh, we haven't seen hardly anything from Frank Ladson, been a disappointment so far. He's experienced. He comes from a winning program. So maybe with more opportunities, Ladson, who his big issue so far to this point in his career, have more been issues staying healthy. So if he can stay healthy, I think he can. Be a difference maker. Uh, he played just 20 snaps last week against AM, Didn't have any catches. Ladson is going to need to step up. He's going to get more opportunities to be on the field. He needs to make the most of those. Sometimes people forget Colby Young is even on the team. Uh, he wasn't used at all last week. Uh, he needs to get up to speed quickly. Colby Young, I know it's a tough transition for him coming from junior college. It's a completely different game. You come from Juco to Power 5. Uh, it's a completely different environment. But Colby Young, I'm very high on him. You guys know that based on the way we talked about him when he transferred. He's got the size at six foot four. He's got plenty of potential. He's got good speed. He's got good talent. I just think he's still adjusting when it comes to his footwork and his route running. It's why coaches haven't trusted him yet. And yeah, Miami absolutely needs to get Romelo Brinson more involved. And honestly, guys, I don't want to. I don't want to oversell this, but if these receivers keep playing the way that they played last week, this position group could end up being a real problem, a real problem, right? I mean, we think about the conversations that we had coming into the year, right? During fall camp, we did some episodes on what position groups are weaknesses, potentially what position groups are question marks. And there's been some good, right? Because we considered, the offensive line to be a question mark. They've gone from question mark to one of the strengths of the team in a hurry, right? Uh, The defensive secondary, we weren't worried about it before the season started. We were worried about it the first couple of weeks. They had the game of their lives against Texas A&M. The defensive backfield looks great right now. And yeah, coming into the season, we considered wide receiver to be a question mark. It was a question mark. Because there seemed to be quite a bit of unproven talent playing wide receiver. But obviously, you lost Charleston Rambo and you lost Mike Harley. The position group was a question mark right now. The wide receiver group has been downgraded from a question mark to a weakness. Next man up. These players now, from Brinson to Richard Smith to Frank Ladson to Keyshawn Smith, to Colby Young, who hopefully gets more opportunities and the potential to maybe move a couple of guys from a tight end room or a cornerback room into wide receiver to give them some opportunities. These guys need to prove us wrong. If we talk about wide receiver right now being a weakness, show me it can become a strength. Please show it to me and show it to me in this Middle Tennessee game. And we're going to talk more about Middle Tennessee. This is not going to be a pushover of an opponent, especially when you look matchup-wise. Middle Tennessee's defense—I hate to say it—if they catch Miami sleeping, if Miami comes in after having, you know, maybe a letdown game, if they allow Texas A&M to affect them psychologically for an extra week, or if God forbid they take Middle Tennessee lightly, this team can give you some problems with their defensive approach. When we come back here on Locked On Canes, you guys. Oh. We have a loaded show. Um, When I went into the coaches' pressers yesterday, because we spoke with Mario Cristobal, we spoke with Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, we spoke with Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, members of the media, myself included, who were there, we had some burning questions. We asked Josh Gaddis about the red zone. I asked Josh Gaddis to give me an honest evaluation of Tyler Van Dyke's performance We got answers to those questions. I want to talk about what came out of it, and we can explain here from the coach's point of view why the Miami Hurricanes were not more aggressive in the red zone. I think that was the biggest question a lot of us had coming out of that Texas A&M game. I have the answer to that question for you when we come back. Let's talk about upside. Guys, from cringing at the pump. getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant inflation is hitting us all where it hurts and it really hurts that's why i started using upside upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas groceries or dines out with every purchase i am earning cash back thanks to upside and folks i've been using upside long before they became a sponsor of the locked on network i've been with upside since 2020 I'm making real money. You might think it's too good to be true. It's not. They give you cash back for your pocket. I just made a withdrawal of 20 bucks a couple of days ago from my Upside account. Just free money in my pocket. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back when you're with your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you claim an offer. where Whatever you're buying on Upside, you check in at the business. Pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. And you can still use your credit rewards, by the way. So you're making more than double money back when you add Upside into it. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, available free on YouTube. So make sure uh, whether you're an audio listener or a video viewer, you subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button as well. The like button goes a long way. Um, So you remember Miami coming out of Texas A&M, five trips to the red zone, no touchdowns scored in the game. We asked offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis about the red zone struggles yesterday. Um, And, you know, he, as I hoped he would, he explained what he was seeing from a football and a coverage standpoint as an offensive play caller he said Miami wasn't throwing into the end zone because a was dropping eight in coverage and only rushing three so from his perspective taking what the defense gives to him um, I think the defense he probably thinks was giving them the green light to score from underneath or to score from their running plays and then the players did not execute okay so Dropping eight in coverage, rushing three. That's why Miami wasn't taking shots into the back of the end zone. And into that, this is my take now, not his. If I read between the lines, doesn't sound to me like they trusted their receivers to make plays in a tight space in the red zone with that sort of coverage when there are eight guys dropped. So that feels to me like a trust issue between players and coaches. And I think we can understand why the coaches maybe don't trust the right wide receivers a whole lot right now. Um, you know, so maybe that has more to do with the receiving core than it does to Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, and, and we have to remember, and I know there's going to be a lot of responses on this because, you know, many of you were, were frustrated with the way that Josh Gad called that game. So I'm, I'm giving you his perspective on why the philosophy was what it was and why the plays were called the way that they were. So don't shoot the messenger. Okay. We do need to remember That the coaches are the ones evaluating these guys, these players, for several hours per day in practice and game planning. They're the ones doing that, not us. Now, I still think when you're trying to punch it in from the red zone on the run and failing to do so, and there was an issue when Miami was trying to run the football in the red zone, uh, there was an issue with your running backs picking up the extra couple of yards they needed, staying on their feet, for an extra couple of yards and bulldozing forward, I still think Thad Franklin should have been used more. You've got a 240-pound sledgehammer, and you didn't use him in the red zone. Now, Gaddis was asked about it and, you know, basically said, and again, I can respect this because they're the ones evaluating these players throughout the week, not us, okay? You know, he basically said that uh, your playing time, game planning, that's decided through the week. Based on practice. Okay. So hopefully we see more of it. Hopefully, in more of these red zone situations, Thad Franklin does what he needs to do to earn more of that trust and earn more of those opportunities. Because when you're around or inside the five yard line of the opponent using the guy who does have very good balance and weighs 240 plus pounds, maybe that gives you a better chance to score than the 190 pound and 185 pound running backs that you also have in your stable. I would like to see Franklin get more of those opportunities. Now, Another thing, and I asked Gaddis about this myself because I really wanted an answer to this, right? Because um, watching the Texas A&M game, and I've watched it twice now. First time I watched it, I was pretty darn tough on Tyler Van Dyke, who I still don't think had a great game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not giving TVD a pass. When I watched the game live, I was pretty down on Van Dyke. When I watched the game a second time, I was less down on Van Dyke and more down on the wide receivers, okay, that I think that when you take the emotions out of it and you watch the game for a second time and you watch it with more of an analytical eye and less of a fan eye, um, I I think Van Dyke's uh, failures in that game had more to do with his receivers than it did with him. Again, I'm not giving him a pass. I'm telling you, the second viewing – was more favorable to tyler van dyke than the first viewing and i asked josh gaddis the offensive coordinator i asked him please give me your evaluation of tvd in that game since admittedly it can be difficult for us watching games to determine when a passing play isn't executed is that more on the quarterback or more on the receiver because we don't always know that from watching these plays when the coaches do okay so And I think Gaddis appreciated the question because it gave him an opportunity to address it. And he told me that, yeah, on a couple of the third down missed throws, specifically, the wide receivers ran too deep of a route. And if they had run the route the way it was assigned, they would have been easy completions for first downs, he said. Uh, He did say that there were some plays that Tyler wants back. uh, Like he had that throw to Michael Redding that was, you know, they call those hospital balls because you throw it in a spot where, you know, the receiver is just going to get destroyed if he catches it. Um, now, Gaddis, uh, he did. He said that, quote, we have some deficiencies at wide receiver and some challenges from a depth standpoint. And it was interesting to hear him say that it, w- it was like a prophecy. Right. Because at that point, when we were speaking to the coaches yesterday, the news about Jacoby George had not broken yet. We didn't know that they knew that, like the, the coaches knew about it. So he was, like, I think, hinting at the fact that hey, we've got you know challenges we didn't even realize as the media how big the challenges were at wide receivers. So, uh, honestly, Josh Gaddish is a great dude, an intelligent coach. I appreciated how open and candid he was with us. And, um, I'm not nearly as down on him as some of you are. I, I think that these coaches are going to find a way to fix it. I think part of the reason why. The red zone execution was so poor last week, just had a lot to do with uh, with the the wide receivers that were on the field at that point. OK, I mean, wide receiver has gone from a question mark to a problem right now. A couple of other injury notes uh, coming out of this week. Of course, we started the episode with this. Anybody who's tuning in late Jacoby George, right after coming back from suspension, breaks his thumb in that Texas AM game. Payne's County was first to report it, and George is going to be out now indefinitely. I think anytime you break your thumb, it's a several week long recovery. So, more challenges at wide receiver. Uh, Mario Cristobal had revealed on Saturday night after the game that it's going to be at least six weeks out for Xavier Restrepo. He reportedly broke his foot, of course. And we got an injury update on Don Chaney yesterday, who suffered a a late fall camp injury, upper body. And uh, Cristobal said yesterday that Chaney is going to be out for six to eight more weeks. Uh, And, you know, he expanded on that timeline a little bit, that basically if he can like really push the envelope and recover quickly, he could be back in six weeks. Fingers crossed that that's the case, because you know what? Guys, if you, if you do the math in your head, if Restrepo is able to come back in six weeks and Cheney is able to come back in six weeks, you'd be able to get them back in time for the Florida State game. How nice would that be? So get well soon uh, to these guys dealing with these issues. Uh, we also had a chance to speak with defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. And by the way, Kevin Steele... Uh, congratulations I don't know if this is a real award or not like if, if anybody cares about this but uh, Kevin Steele was named ACC coordinator of the week by on3.com uh, and you know what I'm gonna say it's a real award because I agree Kevin Steele was the MVP of Miami's coaching staff on Saturday the defense outside of being a little bit soft on the first A&M drive Miami's defense was almost perfect in that game so here's what on three had to say about Kevin Steele uh, Miami's loss to Texas A&M was not because of its defense. Steele's unit held the Aggies to 264 yards and four of 12 on third downs. One of A&M's two touchdowns came on a short field, courtesy of a turnover that gave the Aggies the ball at the Hurricanes' 28. That was the muffed punt by Tyreek Stevenson. Um, So when we come back, I, I want to talk uh, a couple of things about Miami's defense because Mario Cristobal revealed the biggest area of improvement on the D. And I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. The defense looks fixed. After the first game against Bethune-Cookman, when the defense was, was sloppy, we did an episode two weeks ago that said, how do we fix Miami's defense? Looks fixed to me. <laughs> What's been the biggest area of improvement and the stat you may not have thought about that really led to Miami losing that Texas A&M game plus What to expect from Middle Tennessee's defense. We have all that to get to and more when we come back here on Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. So Cristobal Cristobal was talking about Miami's defense. I wanted to try to pronounce his name correctly because some people get on me. Hey, you say it like a gringo. Cristobal. Cristobal. Is that better? Not nah, maybe I don't know, but uh, he said the biggest area of improvement on the defense has been from the secondary. He said, "quote They made a big jump, the coverage was tighter, and guys did a really good job playing in man coverage. Steady progress and a lot of potential." He said, and the single most improved member of that defensive secondary, no doubt, was DJ Ivy. <sighs> he was so good. DJ Ivy was so good in that game. And, guys, that's the way Ivy practices. So I'm so glad we were able to see him do in a game the way that he shines in practice. Cam Kinchins was awesome, as he almost always is. James Williams – we had somebody in the YouTube comments yesterday saying that they think James Williams is overrated. You need to get off the drugs if you think James Williams is (laughs) overrated. James Williams was so good he was all over the field I get somebody saying james williams is overrated in the comments like come on man I don't block people in the youtube comments I thought about it after after seeing that one that james williams James williams is overrated but yeah miami's defensive secondary was Pretty, pretty fantastic in that football game. Um, this was a, a good piece by caneswarning.com. Allen does a good job on that website. Uh, this is, and I'm glad he wrote about this because we talked about this a lot before the Texas A&M game, that I really thought if Miami was going to win that game at Texas A&M, Miami's special teams would be an edge. It, quite the opposite. Miami's special teams were not special. You had the muffed punt turnover, two missed field goals and, you know, Lou Headley was, was fine, but you know, he didn't, uh, he was outshined by the Aussie punter on the other side, the Texas A&M punter was really good in that game. And, uh, and Miami lost the game of hidden yardage. Like they, they lost that. And and this is a couple of stats that Kane's warning came up with. Miami had an average start of their own 18.1 yard line. Three times Miami began drives inside their own 10 only once did Miami start a drive better than its own 25. That was the last drive of the game. Miami took over at its 43-yard line with 116 remaining. So that's that's a great stat. Like If you're wondering how, when Miami outgained the opponent by well over 100 yards and they produced 27 first downs in the game and still lost the game by eight points, Yardage is great, but you forget about hidden yardage. When your average start is your own 18.1 yard line going up against a very talented team like Texas A&M on the road, it's going to be difficult to score. So losing the hidden yardage game was tough. And and big shout out to Allen for coming up with those stats. So uh, now we move on to Middle Tennessee, which is obviously Miami is going to be by far the more talented team on the field. It's a home game be out for blood, be out for vengeance, bounce back in a big way, win this football game, and then we can take a week off before ACC play. I expect Miami to win this game, of course. But don't overlook Middle Tennessee. I know Miami isn't. Um, If the Canes allow this one to be a letdown game after a tough loss or a trap game if they're not focused on it, which they should be, you can get caught sleeping here, especially when it comes to Middle Tennessee's defense. They make plays. They're atop the country in sacks and negative plays. Mario Cristobal says, uh, and this is kind of good foreshadowing for this week, that Middle Tennessee does a really good job disguising their coverages and disguising their blitzes. They move around a lot, and he noted, this is pretty similar to the way Southern Miss' defenses uh, plays. And remember, Southern Miss gave Miami trouble in the first half uh, a couple weeks ago, okay? So yes, Miami should win this game. I believe they will win this game. I think Miami can outmuscle them at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football if Miami can take care of the football they should be okay but with so many issues at receiver we know Miami's going to have to get the running game going um I'm not necessarily expecting this to be a high scoring game this could end up being a blue collar type of victory for the Hurricanes hopefully they go out there and get it all right uh before we wrap it up a couple of uh interesting recruiting notes from Matt Shodell at canesport.com. That's the on three uh, website for the Canes. And Shodell does a great job. Um, he notes a couple of players that Miami's looking at here uh, who are committed to other schools. Uh, he says Miami is a lot more interested now in linebacker Stan Quan Clark out of Killian now because he's off to a really good start to his high school season this year. So Miami might be looking to try to flip him from Louisville. And as we expected, because, you know, it was uh, late in the summer, I think, late July, early August, when Clark committed to the Louisville Cardinals. um, I got the sense that his commitment there had a lot to do with Miami not considering him a take at that time, that the Hurricanes probably didn't offer him a spot at that time. Uh, Shodell confirmed that. So Miami, I guess, is more interested in Clark now than they were a couple of months ago so you know be on the lookout for that if he ends up making an official visit uh we will see what happens there and miami could also be interested in flipping three-star wide receiver micah mays who's currently verbally committed to wake forest Uh, he plays for the benjamin school in north palm beach six foot two about 180 pounds uh and honestly anytime you're talking about wide receivers right now uh get all the receivers. You can like Miami should be recruiting every wide receiver in the area. Every wide, like if, if you want to go like off mainland, like find some wide receivers in Hawaii, if there's any in Alaska that can catch all 48 mainland state, like as many wide receivers as you need to recruit, because that, that position is uh, is an issue right now. We need a lot of guys to step up. So to sum it up, Miami already has Xavier Restrepo out for a while. Uh, now, Jacoby George going to be out for a while. Do you consider giving Jaleel Skinner some time at receiver? Do you consider moving Malik Curtis to receiver and guys like Rashard Smith and Ramello Brinson, Frank Ladson, Keyshawn Smith, Really, really, really need to step up. Let's go. I've got faith in my canes. I've got faith Miami is going to turn this around and that we're going to see wide receivers step up throughout the year. I also have faith that you guys are going to listen to Locked On ACC. Get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen. Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. And by the way, guys, I'm now a Thursday regular. I join Candace every Thursday on Locked On ACC. So make them your second listen. Thank you for making us your first part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.